Hi, this is Regeline Sabat, also known as Gigi, and you're listening to Walk With Me Podcast. My guest today is Crystal Lindsay. Crystal is a digital marketing manager. Welcome to the show, Crystal. Oh, Gigi, happy to be here. Thank you. Likewise, such an honor to have you here today, Crystal. Now, why don't you start off by telling us more about you and where are you from? Sure. I am the former FOSS youth who beat all the odds and is channeling all of that tenacity into helping grow businesses. Uh, so I was abandoned into the foster care system at 11 years old and disowned by my family. And my mother took everything in the middle of the night. And from there, I decided that I was going to be okay and put myself through college, working two to three jobs, uh, 60 to 80 hours a week. And um, I'm proud to be the first in my family to get a college degree and now go on to write a book and travel the globe and launch a nonprofit and uh, help as many people as I can. Very inspiring. And so you share the fact that your mother attempted to murder you. Talk to us a little bit more about that experience and what would you tell other women who've been through something similar? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny how the little things set people off, right? Um, the whole thing happened because I let somebody trim my bangs and um, my mother apparently was the only one who was allowed to cut my hair. And so she had uh, jumped on top of me uh, like a, you would imagine a wild animal almost, you know, and uh, she had ripped my shirt off and I had my, my feet trying to kick her off of me. Um, and she is, was attacking me, um, clearly. I somehow kicked her off of me. She picked up an ice pick handle, uh, which is like a seven or eight pound baseball bat and just came at me swinging uh, the right, then the left, then the right, then the left, then the right. And so at one point I had um, punched her in her face. I'm not proud of that, um, but I, I was afraid for my life. Um, and so that was the first time I had hit my mother and um, she fell back. And I just will always remember, you know, that look on her face of like, she was going to kill me. I mean, I was limping and bloody and it was a whole thing. And And then from there I ran out with no shirt on, no training bra. Uh, I, I was 11 years old uh, and I ran into the streets yelling, Tom is gonna get me, which was her boyfriend at the time. Tom is gonna get me, Tom is gonna get me. And then from there, I, I went into the foster care system. Amen, thank God you survived. Thank God. And now Amanda did ask you, wow, how old were you? And you did answer that question, you were 11 years old. Such an inspiration. Now, you, your mother was also a drug addict. Talk to us a little bit more about your experience witnessing your mother growing up being a drug addict, and how did how did that impact your life? Um, it, I would say the main way it affected me is um, the parade of men, you know, and and moving with so many random men at different times. Um, I went to over twenty different schools, uh, and it was. It was difficult. You know, my mother did cuddle my my older sister and braid her hair and, you know, do all the things you would imagine a mother would do. Um, but my mother never once held me or said she loved me or any of those things. And I, I do think the drugs played into that. Um, you know, I think the the real pinnacle of, of where I got terrible was my house burnt down twice when I was little, once when I was three and then once 10 days after my 10th birthday. And after that 10th birthday, um, well, I guess right before the 10th birthday, I just want to paint the picture. We didn't have any knickknacks. We didn't have any art on the walls. We slept on dirty mattresses with no sheets and no pillowcases and one little comforter. I mean, that was our, our lifestyle. 
Um, but then once that house burnt down, it was an apartment. Once that apartment built down, burnt down, it was uh, truly homelessness. So we would have to clean ourselves in bathrooms. Um, you know, we would have to go dumpster diving and sleep in the car and go to random men's houses. And um, that's where I got really sketchy. You are truly a warrior. I'll tell you that much, Crystal. And, and also, too, you're a bipolar disorder warrior. Talk to us a little bit more about your experience with, with bipolar disorder. But of course, you will be sharing it as well on our upcoming conference. So talk to us a little bit more about your experience. And what would you tell the men and women who have bipolar disorder as well? Yeah, you know, um, I've been fortunate to not have it directly. I was born of my mother who had bipolar disorder. Um, my sister has bipolar disorder. Several family members have bipolar disorders. Um, and so it is something that is hereditary. It is passed along. Um, and, and for me, it made me hypersensitive to whether or not I ever had it because I'm a real go-getter. Um, but then I also just want to sit on a mountain, you know, and so I go through these manic episodes in my head where I, you know, I'm really, I'm, I'm all, you know, fired up and I get all this stuff done. And then on the flip side of it, all of a sudden, I can't, I don't even want to hear the sound of, you know, a, a pin drop on the floor. I'm just, I, I, I need to recoup. And so I've actually talked to my counselor several times to say, you sure I'm not bipolar? You sure? Because I had these episodes and she assures me I'm not. So I'll take that. She's known me over almost 15 years now. Um, but with that being said, you know, watching my my sister and my, my parents both deal with this, that it really was an issue of um, them not having control, you know, being feeling like they were spinning out of control, whether it was they're spinning up or they were spinning down. Um, and it was something that was really hard, you know, uh, to watch and participate around. It made my experience um, unpredictable and not knowing what I was going to come home to or, you know, how somebody would respond. Um, and, and I have complete empathy. You know, it really is something that after watching my family struggle with it, you know, I know it's real and it, it, it hurts them. You know, they want they don't want to feel that way. They don't want to. Um, spin, you know, they want to feel level. Um, do you take the meds? Do you not? You know, what do you do to self-cope? And there's a lot that goes with it. Um, what I would say, you know, from my outside experience looking into somebody who had it is, you know, it doesn't change who you are. You know, you are still a beloved child of God and you are still here for a reason. You have purposes and talents. And that I believe that God gave you bipolar disorder, it's called uh, but the ability to be able to go in episodes where you can go extremely fast, where you can slow down and recoup, where you can begin to pour into others at a faster rate. I have to believe that this is a gift that's been given to you that you could turn into something stronger and help even more people. Absolutely. And so, ladies and gentlemen, make sure to tune in on May 20th to hear Crystal share more about experiencing being a family member and witnessing someone with bipolar disorder. Thank you for sharing that with us, Crystal. Now, you are also a domestic violence survivor and advocate. Talk to us a little bit more about your experience with domestic violence. Yeah, you know, this this has been my downfall. You know, I was on another interview with someone and they were talking about, you know, how they went through abuse and kind of went down the drugs and how it kind of ruined their life. And for me, it wasn't drugs that I turned to. It really was abusive relationships. and. I, I now can see looking back that because I wasn't held as a child, I wasn't comforted and cuddled. Um, I began to look for that in relationships. And uh, also because I didn't have a healthy relationship with my father, he also had abandoned me as a child. 
um, I had, I guess you could say daddy issues. And so I wound up with this perfect soup of no support and daddy issues and, and uh, a desire to be held that just somehow attracted men who, um, I guess, wanted to hurt me. I don't know if they came into it wanting to hurt me, um, but I, I did have a guy tell me who he was the abuser of many relationships that he said he had a sixth sense and he could tell who he could um, kind of dominate like that. And I thought that was really interesting. But regardless, I wound up into uh, 15 years of abusive relationships. Uh, they seemingly got worse and worse. They started with romance as always. And uh, then from there it would go into like a heightened peak of, of stress and then it would pop. And then, you know, they would come back with more romance and it's a cycle that continues and gets worse. Um, one in particular, I remember, actually was the sweetest of them all and so strong and nice and, you know, buy me things and take me places. Um, and then a one, the first time it popped, he pushed me through a door and, you know, he quickly apologized and I, I kind of played it off. And I didn't think I should have stopped and thought about it, but I just liked him so much. I wanted it to be irrelevant. And so I kept going and then he left me at a big event because uh, he thought I was flirting with someone, which I wasn't. And it was just a sign of his controlling. And then it got really bad when we moved in together. And one day he came home and he needed his man cave. Uh, and so I and I was upset. I was like, what about me and what I need? And so next thing you know, we were uh, fighting and I threw a plate of spaghetti and, you know, and he like attacked me. He tried to suffocate me with a pillow. He tried to break my spine. He was you know, just dropping on top of me and saying terrible things and um, wishing me dead. And I just kept screaming, somebody call 911, somebody call 911, somebody call 911. At one point, I threatened to throw myself off of the balcony um, if he wouldn't let me go uh, because I would rather die than be in that hell. And so he, I somehow got out of there that, you know, I was able to get in my car. I started to drive away and then I saw the cops pull in and I just knew they were there for me. And that, you know, I talk about that in my book is like, did, do I go back up there and face my attacker or do I go home and never have to see this man again? And because I wanted to be able to kick his head across the street, I wanted to make sure he never hit a woman again. I wanted to make sure I could get my belongings. I decided to go back up there and face him. And sure enough, he was lying to the cops and, you know, all of this stuff. Um, and I had he was taken to jail. And I did have to move in the middle of the night that night. Um, I only had one night to do it. And then from there, it got worse. That was restraining order number two, you know, and then three. And then, you know, uh, uh, my my ex-husband. And it, it was just a whole thing. Um, and I, I wasn't able to break out of it until I forgave my father um, uh, and, and truly forgave him. Literally, that next day, my whole life changed. Amen. We talk about forgiveness. Let's talk about that for a moment. How important is it to forgive so you can move forward as well? I really believe it's one of the cornerstones of my life. You know, I, um, as I'm sharing, you know, I've been through a lot and I had to truly forgive my mother and I had to truly forgive each of the men that hurt me and I had to truly forgive my father. And, you know, I talk about in my book as well that one of my favorite pastimes from when I was, you know, 12 to 19 20, okay, maybe 22, uh, was actually laying in bed and thinking of all the horrible ways that I could actually uh, see my parents die. And I would imagine semi trucks rolling over them or terrible things. And it would make me so happy. Isn't that sick? But that was because of all of the hatred that was brewed up. I wanted them to hurt like they hurt me. 
And so I would do this lay in my bed and that would be the last thing I'd think about when I'd wake up, that would be the first thing I would think about. And I, I had to realize that I wasn't hurting anybody but myself, you know, and that I could use all of that creative energy for something else. And so I used two, uh, I had two incidents. Uh, one was a process to forgive my mother. One was an occurrence to be able to forgive my father. And truly, since I forgave them, I've been able to live an extraordinary life and really release that pain and hatred and set me free of that prison, which it was. Amen. And the Bible says, Father, please forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. If you're listening to this message, I'll say it again. The Bible says, Father, please forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And so I agree, Crystal, forgiveness truly matters. And also, too, I love the fact that you are the chain breaker in your family. If you're listening to this message today, Chris is a great example of that. Break the chain just because you, you grew up watching, watching being in a toxic environment or watching violence does not mean that you have to continue that cycle. You can break the chain like Crystal did. Now, now Crystal, what gives you the most joy in your life? Well, uh, I am a Christ-filled individual, and so obviously worship music is where I get the most joy, and I get to feel the presence of God so profoundly. Um, and then each day, I actually draw a picture, and I really feel that this is like a guided drawing. I draw a squiggle, and then the only rule is I can't erase. So I do one every morning. It's kind of like a journal entry, but this was today's. And so I feel like it's an interactive uh, ink blot test and journal entry all in one. Uh, but I get the most joy when I'm being creative. I also do abstract acrylic pours. Um, but worship music, painting and drawing is truly where I find joy in this world. I love it. And talk to us a little bit more about your book. Absolutely. So I was the uh, proud author of Grit and Gratitude, the former foster youth playbook for adulting. Uh, this book really came as an outpour at a cry of God, I believe, truly in my heart. Um, I was in a near-death experience when in 2017, and I uh, had no blood pressure. I had no pulse. I had 21 failed IV attempts, eight blood transfusions. They had to shake me by my ankles to even get my blood going. And, and yet I can remember everything during that period. So there's a whole, there's a whole nother story to that. But when I actually came out of it and I was in the hospital, I just, I heard what I believe to be the audible voice of God. And it was very clear. It said, you cannot die with your song unsung. You cannot die with your song unsung. You cannot die with your song unsung. Like a hundred times a day for 30, 30 days. It was crazy. And so um, I, I was like, okay, God, I, I get it. You want me to tell my story? Um, and up until that point, I had quit talking about foster care. I quit talking about abuse. I quit talking about domestic violence because the reality is it makes people feel uncomfortable. And guess what? It makes me feel uncomfortable too. I, I wish I could not have to tell my story and just walk away. But I really believe that this is a directive of God and that I have to tell my story. And so that's why I'm on this podcast. That's why I say yes to speak and help and advocate. Um, and so people had asked me my whole life, well, how did you do it? You know, the, the statistics are stacked up against you. 50% of former foster youth uh, don't graduate high school. 60% of former foster youth who are women become dependent on the welfare system before the age of 24. 60% of the men coming out of the foster care system become dependent upon the criminal justice system. Less than 3% even go to college, let alone complete, let alone get a master's or get two master's and a graduate certificate. So then the question became, well, how did I do it? 
And I would go, I don't know, I worked really hard. But the reality was there were things I was doing every single day that put me in a peak state, you know, and that's what I, I call them biohacks. And that's what I talk about in the book is the top 10 biohacks that put me in a peak state. I love it. Now, Crystal, what is your best advice to the audience for walking with purpose and living a life of happiness? You know, it's a great question. Um, the, the reality is the first thing, I got a couple of things I want to share. And that's one, your past does not define you. It doesn't matter what has happened in your life. What matters is who you will become based on the patterns you have in your life, based on the daily rituals you have. And so I really truly believe that if you take time every single day and you put yourself in a peak state, you will be successful. But there's some real science to this, right? And so I, I want to really take a second to share this. Uh, Nadine Burke, the Surgeon General of California, did a landmark study with the CDC that actually connected physical illness with child abuse. And this had been unheard of. Before they said, oh, okay, mental illness, or maybe more likely for suicide. But now they're connecting childhood trauma to liver disease, kidney disease, brain tumors, heart disease, you name it. And so it's something called the adverse childhood experience. So it's an ACE score. So if you go, you can go online and Google, you can go to crystaljlindsay.com. I have it there too, but it's ACE score. It's 10 questions. You can complete it under five minutes. And this is the kicker. And this is what I want the world to hear. If you answer yes to six out of 10 of those questions, you are on track to die 20 years younger if you do nothing about it. Now, there's a couple of things I want to clarify based on that. One, again, I wanted to sink in. You, if you're a survivor of trauma, you do not get to wake up and stumble through life like the rest of the population. That's the bad news. But the good news is if you take the time to put yourself in a peak state through meditation, through exercise, through visualizations, through time with God, being in nature, being creative, forgiveness, all of these things. If you take time every day to put yourself in a peak state, not only can you overcome dying an early death, but you live an incredible life. You unlock superpowers and empathy that allows you to live at a rate that people can't even imagine. So that's truly what I want people to understand is it's all about daily habits. And there's a real science that says, if you are burnt out, overwhelmed, irritable, stressed, grieving, I don't care. If you're in a dark place right now, this is what I want you to hear loud and clear. You have a biological problem that needs a biological solution. There is no amount of public positive thinking that's going to get you out of that. You have to do something to shift yourself. And so for me, I call it push-ups for certainty. I get stressed. I drop down and do 20 push-ups. So you can walk around the block. You could do burpees. I'm doing, I did 200 burpees this morning. You can do whatever you want, that, but actually washing your brain of stress hormones gives you access to the part of you that allows for higher level decisions. So again, if you're burnt out, overwhelmed, irritable, it's a biological problem that needs a biological solution. And if you don't do something, if you just put up with feeling that way, you are on track to die early. And so you need to do something to shift your energy, live an incredible life and really help people in this world and live a life of purpose. Amen. I love it. Now, Crystal, you mentioned God quite often today. What if someone wants to build a relationship with God, but they don't know how or where? Where? What advice would you provide that individual? 
You know, I, I think the words that come to mind is don't take yourself too seriously. You know, I accepted Christ back in about 2015. And even before that, God and I had always been good, but I was living under the old covenant where I was bargaining with God. You know, I was like, please, if you do this, I'll do this. And, and if I if I don't ever do this again, then can I have that? And now you're, you're making and pleading. But under the new covenant, when, when Christ died on the cross, we're able to have our sins forgiven. We don't need to beg and plead and sacrifice. And so I just say to you, don't take yourself too seriously. There's not, you know, you simply, all you have to do to know God is to simply start talking to him, you know? And I talk to God like he's my best friend. You know, I talk to him when I get in the car. I talk to him when I get out of the car. I talk to him before I eat. I talk to him before I pray. I, I just went to lunch with a client. And before I walked in there, I said, God, if it's right and true for me to work with this person, may it be joyful and easy. And we laugh a lot. And I went in there, we had a darn good time. And that told me that God wants me to work with them. But just don't take it too seriously. Um, the other thing I would say is if you have a big block against God, against wanting to know God, against believing in God, uh, whatever that is, I want you to start with forgiveness. You know, forgiveness is the where you set yourself free of the prison of hatred of anger, of revenge, of all of those dark emotions. And once you release that, you can be set free. And so that really, I would say one is don't take yourself too seriously. Two, just start talking. Three, if you're stuck, go through forgiveness. And then four, um, I'm a big believer in journaling and guided journaling. And so I'll give one little tip here. Uh, but if you take a, a pen and you write down at the top of a page a question, and then you think, because you're the one who wrote the question, you're the one who writes the answer. You think you know the answer. I tell you, give it a shot. Every time I've ever done guided journaling, I've been blown away at what it is I write. So just write a question. You know, do I believe in God? Is there a God out there? How would I know if there's a God? Whatever that question is that you have rumbling around in your head, put it at the top of the paper, take a deep breath, and then let your hand flow and you will be amazed at what pops out. God speaks in multitude of ways. Amen. I love it. Very powerful, Crystal. Now, Crystal, where can the audience find you? Man, I am everywhere. Um, so I am launching the Crystal Lindsay MBA brand. Uh, so in the meantime, you could check me out on crystaljlindsay.com. Uh, that is my current website where I'm talking about grit and gratitude. Um, I have a link to where you can get it on Amazon as well. I have the, uh, the audio book is coming out this month, just in time for Foster Care Awareness Month next month. Uh, so check me out on crystaljlindsay.com. Dot com. Uh, you can also see my Facebook page, Crystal J. Lindsay, um, and then on Instagram at 333Crystal with two L's. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure to check out Crystal on all of her social media platforms and also her websites. Crystal, thank you for being a guest on Walk With Me podcast. You have a great day. Oh, thank you for everything you do. May God bless you today and always. Amen. Likewise.